back. Tom Stevens, Mike Melby. I won't play the re-intro because of uh, copyright infringement laws. Uh, we can't play our own. Uh, well, it, I'm not going to explain because we already explained before. But welcome back. Tom Stevens, Mike Melby. It's Husker Rewind. We do it every Sunday from 5 until 7. Uh, by the way, if you missed the College World Series today, Florida has tied that series at a game apiece. 24-4 to was the final. So there will be a game three in Omaha at the College World Series tomorrow. So there you go. I don't think we're going to have a show next week, Mike. I don't know. We'll see. I, yeah, I don't I don't know. It's 4th uh, of July weekend. It's 4th of July weekend. Uh, I just came back from, uh, by the way, Orlando last weekend. How was it? It was fun. Um, I, I, I realized that my kids are getting old enough where they don't really love Orlando and Disney World, maybe like they did that they remember, you know, you want to go back because it's nostalgic and you remember it as being great. And then you get there as an adult and you go, Oh yeah. Uh, the weather's great, but it's way too hot in Orlando this time of year. Uh, so I did play golf and I hung out by the pool, but walking from place to place at magic kingdom is not really my thing. Yeah. I, it's I've never been never had much of a desire to go. I Tracy though, absolutely loves it. And she wants to go back down there now with the new airline. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe we will here sometime since the, that was, that, that was a great part of it. Redway is fantastic. It's nice. direct flight. You're there in two and a half hours or whatever it, it took to get there. You, you know, you get off the plane, you get your bags. Heck we just stored them in the overhead compartment. Grab your bags. You're out the door and get an Uber and you're, at your condo uh, within a half an hour. So that part of it was really nice. I mean, it is really nice to have a direct flight to Orlando. And uh, I think Dallas is in the mix and Vegas, Nashville, uh, Nashville. There's a lot of good destinations. So that is something that Nebraska has desperately needed. And it was good to see. Yeah. uh, Nebraska as a whole, because I think you're going to see people come from Omaha uh, and from out from surrounding areas to take flights out of Lincoln now. Well, with the rates, yeah, that's yeah. the key thing. Yeah. So, so it was really cool. I enjoyed doing that. And I'm glad Nebraska finally or Lincoln finally has a direct flight uh, that I can use all the time. Yeah. That's somewhere other than Chicago. Right. And that, yeah, Chicago or Denver yeah. uh, seems uh, to be. The, the one thing I is fun, interesting little, little note. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Jennifer Lawrence. Always have been. Uh, Silver Linings Playbook is still one of my favorite. Love movies. that movie. I was never a Hunger Games fan. I mean, it, it they're OK movies, just not really my mm-hmm. thing. But she's got a new movie out called um, No Hard Feelings, and it's an adult comedy. Okay, bottom line, it's Hangover. There, there's bad words. There's nudity. Oh, it's, no. it's it's a grown up comedy. It's rated R. Yeah, I know. Um, it's really good. It's not over the top funny. It's not you know laugh out loud forty times during the movie, but four or five, yes. Yeah. But the story of the entire thing actually is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was actually really really impressed with it. Uh, that, that that would that would get uh, two thumbs up from me. Silver Linings Playbook is one of my favorite movies. Ever. Same, same here. Great, great movie. Uh, and so, hey, I would see that again in a heartbeat. Nebraska was maybe and still is. Uh, there was a couple of recruits in town, uh, or there's one big recruit, really big, seven one in town over the weekend. Potential transfer from Washington State. I don't know how hard Nebraska was going after this guy. Uh, but then came the news later in the week that Kirk Chrissa was back on the market from West Virginia and that he might take a peek at Nebraska. That news has died right during our show, actually. Yep. 
Uh, we kill stuff sometimes during the show. <laughs> Kirk Rissa looks to be staying even after the resignation of Bob Huggins, who is no longer going to be the coach at West Virginia because of uh, some things that he shouldn't have said on the radio. Uh, well, and a and a uh, aggravated DUI. Yeah. Well, he's done that throughout his career. It never seemed to hurt his career. He's he's been drinking for a long, long time at a very high level. Uh, but he's also said some things on the radio that oh, uh, yeah, that didn't help. That him. didn't help him at all. So, Kirk Rissell was available. He had visited Lincoln and looked like Nebraska was his number two pick. He chose West Virginia in part because he got six hundred thousand dollars to go to school there. That's the report. Um through name, image, and likeness. And one of the cuts of Nebraska basketball has been they're not spending enough play on players. I, I don't necessarily need guys who are going to choose Nebraska because of NIL money. But if they're not getting guys because of their lack of NIL aggressiveness, that also concerns me. Not that I I, I, I had some concerns about Kirk Rissa and his past. Uh, he seemed to be a guy that was... They got a lot of technicals that said some things during games that didn't always promote happiness within a team organization. Um, so I don't necessarily think he was the right guy for Lincoln, uh, for Nebraska. But I I am concerned going forward if Nebraska continues to lose guys because they're not offering enough money via NIL. Oh, I, I would agree. And, you know, that's, that's where you look to the 1890 Collective and go um, – <laughs> You know, you got a shiny new toy in downtown Lincoln that's, you know, coming up on 10 years right. old now. But uh, at the same time, you've got some of the best facilities in in all of college basketball. Um, and you still have a team that that has not won an NCAA tournament game. As far as Kirk Chrissa goes, when I saw he was going to jump back in the portal, um, I'm not I, I'll just my exact words. I, none, none of them were cuss words uh, were that sucks. Because I then was worried he was going to come here. He he to me he's a he's a locker room cancer guy. Maybe I'm wrong, but it just seems I don't know like that he is or isn't. I the way he acted on the court and just the way he talked about himself, um, he's not a guy that I, it would be easy for me to cheer for. Uh, I know that, but regardless, he's not coming. Uh, Aaron Eulis is going to be our point guard more than likely. But uh, keep your eye on keep your eye on Ramel Lloyd. Yeah, uh, but also Fred Hoiberg said something interesting this week during the presser where a bunch of guys spoke. Uh, I think Jamarcus Lawrence was one of them. He said Tom Anaga and Jamarcus Lawrence will be your your ball handlers on this team. Yep. Uh, he didn't mention Ramel Lloyd as the lead ball handler. He didn't mention Aaron Eulis as the lead ball handler. He didn't mention Kirk Krista because Kirk Krista was not on the roster and still isn't. Um, he didn't mention his own son, Sam Hoiberg who I think could certainly handle the ball. What I thought about when Kirk Krissa was potentially available for Nebraska basketball was there may not be enough basketballs. Um, you've got Tomanaga, you've got Lawrence, you've got Sam Hoiberg, you've got Ramel Lloyd, who apparently is uh, showing signs that he might be able to turn the thing around. I mean, obviously redshirted as a freshman. And then you got Euless. I, I just don't know that you needed Kirk Krissa. Um you would have been a nice toy to, to play with. And to see and when you go to Spain this summer, which is happening very quickly, it it, be, it will be nice to see how that chemistry comes together. But the fact that he's not coming, 
doesn't bother me that much. No, it doesn't. I'm happy about it. Like I said, I, I think they've got a great group. And after listening to Rick Mass talk and Jamarcus Lawrence, somebody put out a tweet, and I can't remember who it was, uh, in reference to Jamarcus Lawrence's press conference. And they they kind of jokingly said, I feel like I'm listening to like a 36-year-old, 17-year veteran tell me about his play and his team and his expectations. Right. Like the the maturity level uh, with Jamarcus Lawrence, um, not not letting things get too big and never letting the little things just slip through the cracks. I mean, he yeah. just really seems to have a very good understanding of what he needs to be for this team next year and how he needs to help, you know, continue the chemistry and everything that they had going late in the season last year. I, I don't know who the point guard is. Hopefully, Euless can be that point guard for Nebraska. I think one of the reasons that Tomanaga might have wanted to come back to college basketball is to prove to the NBA that he can be a point guard. Yeah, He bulked up, and you've heard Fred Hoiberg say how, how much weight they put on him. Uh, I think Tomanaga might have had something to do with that. I don't think they just came out and put weight on him. I think he worked hard in the weight room, and now he's gone from 170, 6'2", 170, to 6'2", 185. Uh, and hopefully that will take the Big Ten toll – He'll take less of a toll in the Big Ten due to his work in the weight room. But I'd like to see him give an opportunity, given an opportunity to become the point guard uh, for Nebraska. Well, that's the whole thing is I, th I think he has to be just because of twofold. For Nebraska to be successful, he's going to be ha have to be a guy that is going to be able to, to take guys off the dribble because he has that ability. And it gives him the opportunity to prove to the scouts in the NBA that I'm a guy that can do everything you need a 6'2 guard to do. I'm going to shoot the lights out of the gym, but you got to be able to handle the ball and you got to be able to play defense. Um, and uh, getting the extra weight, I think, is actually going to help him more on the defensive end. Uh, and and that, that's what I thought as well, because yeah, he, he got pushed around at times. Um, I, I was really impressed with his ability offensively to if you watch Kase Tamanaga by the way I played uh, golf in Orlando with a couple of people who happen to be Japanese the Tanaka family loves the Tomanaga family <laughs> nice. um and Ray and his son Brendan I played with in Orlando terrible golfers great guys uh but they they wanted to talk about Kase Tamanaga uh, Tomonaga uh, a lot because they, they, they're big fans. Uh, they like they like Japanese. You know, Japanese tend to like Japanese oh, yeah. athletes, and uh, they, he's a big star in Japan. I, I think he has over what a hundred thousand followers or more on Twitter. I think it's more than that. Uh, but they want to talk about K, uh, Kase. But I think Kase can be that guy. Um, it would be. It would be so fantastic if he could make the NBA. Even if he, even if he doesn't, he's going to go back home and play in Japan and probably make a million dollars a year. One of the things from that press conference that stood out to me, and it just makes me laugh, and it makes me like like Fred Hoiberg a little bit more. But when your head coach brings up the fact that how much he loves the enthusiasm and everything else that one of his players plays with, i.e. Kese Tomonaga, and he goes, I mean – who like, he flipped off the crowd at Penn State? How <laughs> right. awesome is that? Like yeah. he's celebrating it. Yeah. Um, it. That just it cracked me up, and I thought it was. It's also it kind of shows the the little bit of just mm. like truly human side. Like that's a coach normally is not going to say yeah. that, but when you have a, a young man that plays with just that passion, uh, that energy, right? Um, 
and and loves the game and just it loves life the way that Casey Tomanaga does. It's it's awesome that he's he's here and I, I think Fred truly enjoys. And coaching. by the way, he's not the first guard at Nebraska. I think to flip off <laughs> no. a fan base, no. and we haven't always loved it in the past. Maybe the way we've liked it with Casey, but Casey can get away with things. I think because he does it with a smile on his face. I mean, he plays the game with a sheer love of the game, and he plays it with effort. I mean, if you watch him play, especially on the offensive end of the court, he never stops running. No. Like, he is running all the time to try to get open. I would not want to guard him. He's that type of guy that, obviously, once he catches it and he has any space available, he's going to make the shot. Uh, But part two of the story is that you actually have to chase him around the gym all night long. And then if you foul him, he's going to go to the free throw line and make free throws. I, I just think something special could be coming, not just for Casey, but Nebraska basketball this year. You know, Maybe no, I'm dying in because I bought in so many times and people hate me for it, it again. but I'm doing it again. I'm, I'm going to do it again. You know, the other reason you, what you kind of love rooting for a guy like that, because he makes 35 foot threes yep. on a consistent basis. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah. So uh, we'll see where it goes. I, I'm really interested to see uh, how this team comes together. Cause I think they're going to have to in Spain. They're really going to have to, uh, in Spain because they're not going to have Rick Mass. I don't think he's going to be available. He's playing for his Olympic team. Uh, there was one other Bryce Williams. I don't think will be available uh, during the time in Spain as well. Uh, Josiah, think, Josiah Alex going to be limited. I know because he's right, coming back from the, the injury. foot surgery. So on Gary is probably going to be a little limited. He's almost hundred percent, but you don't want to rush that with that shoulder. And maybe that'll be good in some ways because these guys will have time to, I mean, the guys that will be available will play a lot of basketball. Maybe that that part the, of it but, will be but good. But the, the whole thing is, look at that roster um, right now. You, you, you can go 11 guys deep and and find a guy that you're like, oh boy, if he plays a lot this year, man, we're going to have to have some things go right for us. There's not one of those guys on that roster. No. I, like, really, you're sitting here, you're going, you, all you think about is strengths with every single guy that's currently on the Nebraska basketball roster. You know, a guy that's going to probably be an eighth or a ninth man is Sam Hoiberg. But look at what he did at the end of last season, near the end of games, his basketball IQ, the way he played uh, defense, the steals that he came up with, the shots that he hit, the free throws that he made, the decisions that he made to not do something. And it's it's like, hey, you know what? Sam's got to come off the bench because somebody's in foul trouble. Who cares? Oh, you know what? We need uh, we need uh, Ramel Lloyd. He's a redshirt freshman. He's only played in seven games, and it's a big non-conference. We need him to come in. You know what? I, I've got pretty good confidence. He's going to come in and make a play. How many times have we looked at the roster and said, yeah, good player, selfish. Good player, uh, a little selfish. I don't think that – I don't I don't think that about Josiah Alec. That's never been a part of his resume. You don't think that about Jawan Gary. You certainly don't think that about Sam Hoiberg or Blaze Cada, who doesn't demand the basketball. He just goes in there and plays defense and rebounds. Uh, Jamarcus Lawrence admitted that maybe he, against Minnesota, took a few too many shots in that game, but he's not a selfish player. Rick Mass doesn't have that identity. Tomanaga, you want taking a lot of shots. Maybe you think he takes too many shots. I never have. No. Um, C.J. Wilcher is, at times, maybe taken not too many shots, but bad shots. I think that ended in the second part of last year when he started to go to rim more. So I, I, I think you're exactly right. You nailed it. I don't think this is a selfish team at all. No. Um, in fact, there might be a few guys that in some points of the game, you're saying, why don't you shoot more? You're making shots. Shoot more. 
Well, exactly. And just the way that the, the offense ran last year. And I, I, I think it's going to go back to more of an up-tempo like it was later in the season versus the more defensive-minded and oriented uh, when Jawan Gary and Emmanuel Bandamel were healthy. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think that we have a huge drop-off. Bandamel was unbelievable defensively. You know Gary is, and he's back. But I still think there's going to be a defensive identity to this team, but it's going to be a little bit more ball movement uh, and, and a little bit more of that five-out a style that Hoiberg yeah. ran the first three years, but it, he kind of figured out because it was funny because we were talking about it, you know, in, in November and December and January last year about the difference of the possessions per game and just the like it was literally a black and white North Pole, South Pole difference in style of play. And that after the two injuries, it became a mesh of those two styles of plays. Yeah. The defensive intensity maintained. Now, granted, they gave up some open looks. They gave up some easy baskets. It wasn't as dominant defensively, but it was far better than it had been when it was focused yeah. on offense only. But then that offense and the way they moved without the ball, and that was the whole key. It wasn't just Tomanaga. It wasn't just C.J. Wilcher that was moving without the ball. It was everybody. Right. And you I, did. There were certain guys, fun. the first part of the season, they played great defense, and we can't argue with that. And there were... Certain guys in the second part of the, the season, they they tried to play great defense, but they didn't have the capability to be Jawan Gary or Bandamel. I mean, they just did, but they could shoot. And you had to recognize the fact that you, you you had to guard Jamarcus Lawrence. Oh, by the way, you can drive to the rim. You can't ever leave Tamanaga because he's getting more minutes because the other guys were injured. Um, they just became a better team as a whole. Um, but this team potentially is a lot better than the team that led the Big Ten from, what, February on? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's. There, I don't think it's exaggerated hype when you talk about the potential of Nebraska basketball, but, you know, that's what I do. I hype Nebraska basketball because I love it so much. I want it to be great, but I actually think there's potential for it to be great. Uh, we're going to take a break in about 10 minutes, and then we'll, uh, we'll talk to Jalen Reyes, and we know it's a good interview because we already did it. Yeah. It's... <laughs> well, uh, it's a really good interview. Well, and we and we teased it last hour because one of the questions that I wind up asking him is I said, well, you know, June 15th was the day that you could contact 2025 recruits, and you did. And uh, Campbell Flynn, Kerry Leinbach, and Terea Sigler all said, yeah, I'm in. I want to come to Nebraska and play volleyball. I said, are you done? Well, yeah. the answer to that question, I will let Jalen answer when we uh, play that interview. But it, that's the first time I've had the opportunity to uh, – to chat with him and you had mentioned that you'd had him on in the past on yeah. other shows and you just raved about the type of interview that he is and just the type of person that he he's is a good guy I, I think you undersold it uh he it's just he's so fun to listen to yeah. so insightful and thoughtful with the way that he answers questions it's going to be a fantastic interview so make sure you stick around for that here in about 10 minutes uh we're not going to talk a lot about baseball, but maybe a little in the uh, second segment about the Rob Childress effect. But I did want to mention this uh, because we've been watching the College World Series mentioned it's going to game three after the big win by Florida today over LSU 24 to four. This was not a good example of a short game, but it was mostly because of the scoring yeah. in this game. But the pitch clock has really helped college baseball. The average game times have been in the College World Series, that is, three hours and two minutes. It's the shortest since 2012 when games went two hours and 54 minutes. Um, and there there have been a couple of games. Uh, there was one game earlier, Oral Roberts, the elimination game that they played, went 
three hours and 30 minutes, but that was mostly because of multiple video reviews. Uh, there, you know, they do allow six visits or like six visits, I believe six, six defensive visits for visits to the mound to talk to pitchers. And they allow three offensively. Right. And, uh, there was, there was at a point where a coach came out for the seventh time and then he had to wear a shirt that says, yes, I can count. Uh, <laughs> but that was, that was kind of funny. Yes, I can count. Uh, but I, what do you think of the pitch clock overall? I love it. Yeah. I, I, baseball's never been my game. I, I know it Nick- hates change baseball. The oh, one yeah. thing I hated about baseball is it wouldn't change. And finally it's changed and it's been for the better. The pitch clock being just one, they've made several reviews. Uh, you can, you can't just, uh, step off the mound. You can't just, you know, scratch your butt all the time and <laughs> you got to get up there. And obviously that's a big part of it. The pitch clock, uh, you can, you can throw to first as many times as you want. And I don't disagree with that because you're trying to pick the guy off, but you can't fake throw to first all the time without the pitch clock. And if it does go off, it's, it's a ball. It's just a great, it's a great rule. It's a rule that has happened in major league baseball as well. And it's made the game better. It's sad to think the oldest pastime took this long to change. It's probably why they always joke about us old people being stuck in our ways. I mean, we right. don't want to change. Uh, but, change is scary. At the same time, like I'm not a big baseball guy. I never have been. Uh, Nick Center loves baseball. I'd love to get his take on what what you know he thinks of all of these changes. But anything you can do to get the game to move faster, the, I, I'm I'm a baby boomer. I'm an early baby boomer too. I'm a guy that that you know you would think would love. To, uh, for everything to just take it easy. Now I'm kind of falling in with the Gen Z and the millennials where I'm like, man, let's pick up the pace here. Let's get going. Let's, let's, let's change some things. How can we be more efficient? How can we get more done? How can we pack more in our day? How can we have more fun um, and uh, getting the games to move along and make it less about, well, I got my routine where I tap my cleats twice on my left foot and I do it on the heel. And then I do it once on the right on the toe. And then once on the left on the toe and then two on the back right. on the left. And then I, I got to adjust my gloves and, you're like, okay, dude, you just spent 45 seconds explaining the routine that takes you 90 seconds to do between pitches. No offense, I don't care. Right. Step in the box, sw- swing, hit home runs, strike out. I don't, but stop with all of this crap. The last thing that needs to happen is they need, what, what do they call it? The box. The, they, I don't think we need a home plate umpire is what I'm trying to say. I, I just don't think you need a guy calling balls and strikes. I think they're, they're, getting actually better because they see that the box is there and they, when they see a ball go into what they think is a box, because that's what we see on TV all the time. I think they're calling strikes more often. I think it's made them better umpires knowing that we, we have the box there available. I I just don't know that there's room for, I mean, it's like when you kick a field goal, it goes through the uprights. It's good. When a ball goes through the box, you know, and it hits the box and it's a strike. That's a strike. It's not subjective. It's not something that should be subjective. It's either a ball or a strike. And I completely agree with you. And case in point was the first two innings of today's game. And this is one thing that home plate umpires have done for years. They probably will continue to do it for years. And it drives me insane. The exact same pitch, exact same location on a 0-2 count is called a ball but on a three and O count is called a strike yeah. and they do it because of the count, because of the situation, or it's, they do it based on who the hitter or the pitcher might be. And that could be too. 
If it's an experienced, well-respected pitcher, you get the strike. If it's, if it's an experienced, well-respected hitter, sometimes you don't get the, the strike. Well, and, and then the flip side is, how what's the relationship with the coach and the umpires? Or yeah. maybe a player that's you know said something in a game earlier right. in the season. Oh, sure. All of that stuff. That, I that happens agree. in every sport. Yeah. That happens in every sport. I mean, LeBron, I, Michael Jordan, I thought, got more calls because he's Michael Jordan. But he also earned those calls to a certain extent. I mean, and he was fouled a lot more, especially in the 80s, well, because everybody was getting hacked. Then you can make the argument, well, you know, has, has uh, uh, did Max Anderson and Bryce Matthews this year for Nebraska earn some calls? Earn some strikes that were called balls. Probably I mean, you could use that same logic. Um, sometimes you play on a bad team. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how good you are individually. Uh, but not that Nebraska was bad. They had a winning record. They just didn't win enough. Uh, anyway, um, I do want to talk a little bit about Nebraska baseball if we have time. A little bit later on, you mentioned it in the starting gate, the Rob Childress effect. I mean, because they've they've picked up what, five commits in the last week. Yeah. Uh, and it's mostly been because of Rob Childress. So I do want to hit on that a little bit, but I want to make sure we have plenty of time for Jalen Reyes. Uh, and we'll talk to him. It's pre-recorded, but you'll love it. And we'll do it next. He's Mike Melby. I'm Tom Stevens. It's Husker Rewind. Welcome back, Husker Rewind. Tom Stevens and Mike Melby every Sunday from 5 until 7. Time to welcome in Nebraska assistant volleyball coach, Jalen Reyes. Hey, Jalen, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Good. It sounds like you got stuff going on in the background there. Where are you? I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a volleyball gym in Eastern Texas. Uh, <laughs> kind of here for a clinic. Actually, doing one with Lindsey Krause uh, uh, later this evening, and kind of watching some younger teams play volleyball. Recruiting so, never stops. So it's not good enough that you just hauled in some of the best recruits in the country. You're looking for more. <laughs> Always looking for more, and. Uh, I mean, just like any sport, I know it's going on in football right now, but recruiting never, never ends. So it's, uh, you know, we got a couple of commits, but just on to the next. Talk about how good you're, you're obviously a great recruiter. Do you think that you have to be somebody who loves recruiting to be great at it? I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. I think I, I tell the people that, you know, I'm, We've had some success, and I guess since I've become the recruiting coordinator, we've had some success, but a lot of it has to do with, I'm selling, in my opinion, the best product. So, um, you know, this volleyball program in Nebraska, is, there's a lot of people that just want to li- honestly line up and want to play for it. Um, so I think, you know, Coach always says the biggest recruiting tool we have is if we just keep winning. <laughs> you know, that kind of that kind of makes everything better if you just keep winning, you know. And, uh, you know, so I don't know if it's, you know, if you have to love it, but I think there's, I think the great ones enjoy getting to know people, building relationships, um, getting out there and putting your name, your school out there. Um, I personally do love it and I love spending the time doing it. I spend, I spent a lot of time, especially recently in the last 10 days out on the road recruiting and uh, I love every minute of it, but you know, to answer your question, I would say, you know, it, it, I would say that it helps if you love it. You know, if you don't love it, you don't want to spend all the extra time and stuff like that. And I feel like a lot of recruiting is just relationship based and, you know, someone that's really good at good with people. Um, you know, I think that really helps. Nebraska recruiting coordinator and assistant volleyball coach Jalen Reyes joining us here on Husker Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket. You have three 2025 commits in the 2025 class or for the 2025 class already. Campbell Flynn, Kerry Leinbach, uh, Terea Sigler. 
do you think there are going to be more or do you pretty much have everything filled right now for that 2025 class? I think we're hoping for one more, one or two more. Um, a couple of blue chip kids around the country, but I would say one or two more. So, In a perfect world for Nebraska volleyball. But now you have to consider not only, I'm sure NIL comes uh, into play with volleyball. I know it does. But also the portal. How much do you consider that when taking freshmen versus, hey, we need also need some experience? That's, uh, that's a great point. Um, you know, you can't teach experience, right? Especially if you play at some bigger program going into the tournament. I think we all factor that in for sure. Um, just everything's so unpredictable, right? You know, so, you know, you don't know what's going to pop into the portal eventually. Slash, we don't know how maybe a high school kid is going to turn out, if I'm being honest. Um, but that's something we definitely account for. We're a team that we'd rather, I guess, grow, um, kind of start at the grassroots with high school kids and club kids, and then use the portal maybe to fix a hole we have versus not necessarily, I guess, living and thriving off the portal, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I, I think the portal is portal can be great, but it's, I think if you're living off of it, um, you know, it's kind of unpredictable a little bit. And I don't know. Uh, I'm one who's not the best eater, but I would say the, the portal is like fast food. Right. Sometimes it's awesome, but I don't know if you want to make a healthy diet of eating it every single day, right. you know, versus we feel like recruiting high school kids and kind of, you know, starting with kids in Nebraska and starting with kids in the nearby area. We feel like that's the best way. And then if we have a hole or a need, then maybe we can use the portal if we find somebody can help us. We've Jalen, we've called you a great recruiter. And Mike Krzyzewski used to say, I don't necessarily recruit. I kind of select. And you mentioned Nebraska and how it recruits itself a little bit. Uh, has has that been one of those things that you've noticed that Nebraska kind of, they draw attention and then you have to kind of pick and choose who you want based on the great players in the country? Yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of that. I mean, the one one thing for sure is everyone takes our phone call when when we're allowed to call them, you know, so June 15th all the kids that we wanted to talk to, they all, you know, they all responded and we, we were able to pretty much reach out to all of them, which is awesome. I know that's not always the case with other programs. Um, so that's already a good start. And then in terms of the selection process, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I try to, uh, as a recruiting carter, I try to, don't assume these kids are just going to pick Nebraska because it's Nebraska. You know, we're going to recruit them just as hard as, if we feel like, hey, maybe we're not the favorite for this kid. And, you know, since, since I've been at Nebraska, and I think even John before me, you know, we, we try to recruit kids as hard as we can, assuming, never assuming anything is a done deal. And, uh, you know, I think that's the best way to go about it. And when we've done that, we've had some recent success. And I think that's part of the reason why I spend a lot of time on the road and trying to build some relationship with club coaches and high school coaches and, um, you know, try to see these kids as much as I can. And, you know, obviously there's certain rules what we can do, but, you know, if I was a high school kid and I always saw a Nebraska coach on my court, you know, I'm going to kind of feel like, hey, Nebraska is making me a huge priority. And whether that kid's from California or they're from Nebraska or they're from Texas or Florida, you know, that's kind of the way we'd want to go about it. And we feel like we've had some success doing that. Nebraska Volleyball Assistant Coach Jalen Reyes joining us here on Husker Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket. Jalen, as well as kind of I'm going to compound and step on a couple of questions the weather is hot about the kids one. are out of you guys school kind of get you're on your way to the lake the and, summer road and you get to choose from whoever but there's times that i know you've got talent that is closer that you've got a connection to that you simply don't have room for but 
to what you just said about that recruiting process and how hard you recruit the kids, how much respect you give them with the transfer portal being there, who knows what's going to happen. I know there's a local young lady that's going to go to a different school, that that's kind of the case. The numbers just didn't work out. But how difficult is it to weigh all of those things when you're making the decisions on who are you going to go after? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a huge point. Obviously, you kind of hit on it. I'm not allowed to obviously mention names, but yep. we've had that decision within the last week or so. And, uh, you know, I, I think recruiting also is not just a year thing, right? It's when you're making a decision for this year, it also affects other years. So when we take a kid last year, maybe in a certain position, it might push out somebody in this year at that same position, you know, and that's something that we try to account for and try to balance. And, you know, we want to make sure, Hey, maybe as a player in one position leaving, we got a good one coming in, you know, and not have a million of one position in one class. And then suddenly we got to go recruit that class. again. we'd like to try to even it out. Um, that's what we try to do in these last couple of years. And, and sometimes, sometimes great players are really good players. We just don't have room for, or we don't really have a spot for. And, you know, that's, a that's, it's tough sometimes. And I think that's the conversations we've had, or, you know, we've had times in the past where kids suddenly have gotten like really, really good out of nowhere. And we decided to take them and, you know, maybe we are a little unbalanced in a position or two. So um, these are all things you kind of take into account, but we try to feel like, okay, Hey, if we have a plan for somebody or we can see this player really helping our volleyball program, you know, we're going to try to recruit them as best as we can. But I think what you said is tough because it's, you kind of want to always try to collect the really good players around you. But part of me is we don't want to just collect them to collect them and have them on the team. You know, we want to make sure there's a healthy balance of what we're doing and making sure we don't get out of balance in terms of, you know, there's only a certain amount of scholarship. There's only a certain amount of money available. We don't want to, I guess, put it all in maybe one position. And then suddenly our team is a little unbalanced in terms of, you know, having too many middles or too many fetters or liberos on it, if that makes sense. So, I think what you said is uh, it, it's a it's a there's a fine line because to a degree you know we feel like we can get a lot of good players and you know the thing that comes with us is you know we, we have to tell a lot of good players you know thank you but no thank you too which is a really hard conversation to have sometimes. Nebraska volleyball assistant Jalen Reyes is our guest. You're going to play a match at Memorial Stadium this year in front of 91,000 plus uh, against Omaha. If I would have told you that when you started with this staff, would you have believed it? I would say no, because that just sounds insane when you really just think about it. But at the same time, part of the reason that got me to come to Nebraska was coach talked about doing things here that has never been done before. You know, so sure, maybe the stadium match in front of 91,000 wasn't maybe talked about (laughs) when I interviewed for this job back in the day, but coach's mantra is keep dreaming big, you know, and uh, ever since I've gotten here, we try to do that and you know, obviously this is going to be, this is, in my opinion, this is more than a volleyball game. You know, I know that sounds kind of bad because at the end of the day, it should be about the volleyball game, but this is going to be something that, I don't know, volleyball fans, I think from all over are going to be like, you know, where was I on this when this happened? You know, and I know a lot of people from all around the country, even all around the world want to come to this and be a part of this, um, you know, because it's going to be something that I don't think we'll ever see again, you know? And yeah, I guess to a degree, I wouldn't have believed you, but at the same time, I'm like, well, if someone was going to do this, it's John Cook and Nebraska Volleyball. So. Coach Jalen Reyes from the Nebraska Volleyball Program joining us. Uh, Coach, I want to ask you about 67 different types of questions 
about this subject, but I'm just going to make it really simple and easy and very broad. How was Brazil? <laughs> I mean, I don't think we could have gotten. I mean, if someone asked me, like, what's your least favorite part of the trip? I have to, like, nitpick and pick something and almost make something up. Weather was perfect. Food was awesome. People were unbelievable. The volleyball was great. It was a little, a little, uh, competition was a little light early, but once we got to Rio and Sakurama at the national team training uh, center, competition was awesome as we basically played a bunch of their national teams um, at different ages. I mean, it was nothing, nothing bad happened in terms of, you know, some, you know, some things that could happen in foreign countries, nothing like that. And travel was smooth besides a long layover in Sao Paulo. Everything was great. So I, uh, I have no complaints about Brazil and, uh, I don't think, I don't think the girls would either. <laughs> well, there's so many names that we know on this team, the, you know, the Becca Alex of the world, the Ali Batenhorst, but there's a lot of new faces on this team. Um, Merritt Beeson, how did she become a captain? Merritt is, uh, she's very, very, um, I guess, welcoming. She's come in and like worked really hard and really tried to like, I guess, ingratiate herself with her teammates. And, uh, you know, I mean, when things go wrong or when some of the players need someone to talk to, it seems like they always talk to Merritt. And, uh, you know, that's huge in terms of just in terms of who you want to pick a captain. You want, you're going to pick somebody that you her, you know, that the team's going to go to and they kind of naturally gravitate toward her. Obviously, her being a great player and experienced player, I know she's new with, her, new with us at Nebraska, but she's been through battles um, deep into the tournament with Florida at a, at a school with similar expectations than us. So she understands, you know, kind of coming in and like, this is the deal. Um, and she's played big and big matches. And um, ever since she's gotten here, she's acted like a captain. And, um, you know, without even us telling her, like she's kind of done a lot of things that we'd want, you know, one of our captains to do. And, I think it was pretty unanimous in terms of, you know, her being voted as a captain among staff and her teammates. Coach Jalen Reyes from the Nebraska Volleyball Program joining us here on 93.7 The Ticket on Husker Rewind. Um, about a month ago, there was an announcement made that uh, a young lady was going to come back and coach since now we have uh, three available uh, assistant coaching positions. Her name just happens to be Jordan Larson. She's one of the most decorated and celebrated volleyball players in the history of U.S. volleyball. She's now a coach, though. Um, a couple of questions. What have you learned from her in the short time you've been able to work with her? And what type of questions is she asking you and Coach Cook uh, about how to coach and what can she do better, et cetera? How can she you know, be a part of the staff to make sure that she continues the consistency and the chemistry that you guys have? For sure. Um, questions I have her. I have a lot of questions. I've, we haven't gotten to work together too much. Um, just because she was here for a couple of days at Brazil training, and then she went out to California with the national team, and then we left. Uh, so questions I'd have for her is honestly just, uh, you know, she's one of the best ever in terms of a volleyball player and her position as an outside hitter. So just training and, you know, and stuff that she's working on passing. She's one of the best serve-receive players, you know, ever, honestly, to ever play. So I would have questions about that. I have questions about, how we're going to train our left side attackers because she's obviously very qualified and knows a little about that. Um, and I think the other question is just like, you know, how do you, you know, she's, you know, I'm not going to say her age, but she's up there in terms of, you know, she's been playing for a long time. And I think Wise man. just like how she's really, really, you know, 
how have you maintained this level of excellence? You know, and maybe that's not just for me, you know, and I can apply it to myself, but even for the girls, you know, and how do you maintain this level of excellence through over this long period of time? And I think that's kind of, I guess, you know, for the goal for all of us. And then questions she's asking me, again, we haven't worked together too much. She's kind of asking a lot of stuff like we, we've trained. Um, you know, I know she's played for John, but she hasn't played for a while now um, here in Nebraska. So it's like, what are we training and what are we trying to do? And, you know, maybe some certain things we're doing in the middle and then certain things recruiting wise, um, especially recently. That's kind of probably our, our most recent question, um, kind of recruiting wise, kind of our philosophy and what we're trying to do and how we want to communicate with people um, and stuff like that. And um, just kind of, I guess, also catching her up on certain things that she's, you know, she just joined us. So kind of catching her up to speed on a lot of things that, um, you know, maybe have kind of been taking place. But uh, I mean, in terms of Jordan, I think she's going to be, you know, if I had to pick a Mount Rushmore, especially USA volleyball player, she's clearly on it now. She wasn't already before this last Olympics. She's clearly on it now. And she's probably, you know, face number one, maybe number two, you know, so um, I'm just happy I get to work with somebody that's, you know, I get to work for John Cook, who's going to be a Hall of, you know, who's a Hall of Famer already. And I get to work now with Jordan Larson, who, you know, one day will still be in the Hall of Fame for sure. That's crazy when you think about it. You get to work for John Cook, who's like the John Wooden of volleyball. And you're going to work with Jordan Larson, who's the Michael Jordan, LeBron James as a player in volleyball. Describe what it's like when other players or recruits meet her. They're all shocked. I mean, there's, it's, I think using LeBron James or using, you know, Tom Brady or using somebody where it's like the greatest of all time in your sport, especially if you're an American, um, you know, it's kind of, especially nowadays, right? Where all these little girls just watched her win the Olympics. Um, even our girls watching them react to seeing Jordan for the first time. is kind of, you know, we talk about her all the time. We watch video on her. We talk about the stuff that she does, but now it's like, you know, this person's now your coach or this person's recruiting you or this person's on the recruiting call with you. And um, it's funny watching some of their reactions to it just because, uh, you know, you get to meet. It's not every day. I'm assuming a lot of these girls, like Jordan's a role model for her. Harper Murray, that was a, she was Harper Murray. That's Harper Murray's idol, you know. Um, Harper Murray knew she wanted to come to Nebraska back in the day when she was an eighth grader and Coach Cook told her that she reminded me of Jordan Larson, you know. so. Um, you know, it's crazy now. It's like they're they're being coached by Jordan and, you know, getting to see their reaction to, hey, like getting to see their reaction to like Jordan's around and she's going to be with us. And um, I don't know. It's invaluable. You can't, you know, it's uh, she, she, she says a lot and there's a lot of impact with her just being here, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm excited to work with her as well, as well as I'm excited to work, you know, with Kelly and, you know, and obviously work for John. Uh, I know we used to have you on all the time to give your NBA takes. Uh, how much, how much did you watch of the NBA finals and how big of a fan of Nikola Jokic have you become? I mean, first, first it was actually really nice to watch the NBA finals because most of it happened while we were in Brazil. So it was like super late. So like anything that we had, we had volleyball late, we'd come back to the hotel at 10 o'clock and it'd just be, you know, into the first quarter. Cause it right. was, it was so late in Brazil, which was really nice. Um, you know, I watched a good amount of basketball. I love basketball in the postseason, especially. I'm a Laker fan. I don't know if you remember that. So, yeah. Lakers actually had a really nice year. Yes, from, they did. You know, being like two and – what were they? Two and 15 to making it to the, yeah. you know, um, you know, to the, you know, the conference semifinals and stuff like that. I think that's a really good year for them. And, uh, 
you know, hopefully we can get to put some pieces around LeBron and stuff like that over the off season. And then, uh, I mean, Nikola Jokic is crazy. It's yeah. like, you know, I saw something where it's like the man, the man can't even jump on a parking curb, but at yeah. the end of the day, he's still going to give you 45, 16 and eight, <laughs> you know, and, uh, he doesn't even need to leave the ground to do it, which no. is, which is crazy. And I mean, he's just the guy to a degree, just like LeBron, where it's like the best part of his game is he makes everybody around him better. Oh. You know, he can go get 50, but he can go get somebody else 25 who has no business scoring 25 in the yeah. NBA, you know? And uh, it's, uh, I don't know, it's cool to watch, like, I don't know, the evolution of basketball where it goes from wings to a lot of, you know, this year, a lot of the best players were, you know, two centers were kind of the best players, I guess, all right. year. So yep. Yep. It's, uh, it's cool how sports evolves. And obviously, you know, Embiid and Jokic aren't traditional just centers. They're center point guards almost, you know? So yep. it's, uh, it's cool to watch that sport evolve just, you know, just like I would say our sport of volleyball is evolving. Well, you watch a lot of uh, basketball because you recruit a lot of girls that play both basketball That's and true. volleyball as well. And you can, that hoop is it. true. You can hoop it a little bit, right? How's your jumper? Uh, my J is okay. Maggie Mendelson will tell me, tell you otherwise. If you ever have her on there, I'm sure she'll call my <laughs> jumper, but it's okay. It's okay. And then when someone's hand goes in my face and it just goes, goes all whack. So, um, uh, Let's just say I've I've spent more time passing volleyball, passing and spiking volleyballs, especially in the last ten years, than I have shooting jump shots. Well, that's good. That's good for Nebraska volleyball. It actually be bad if your jumper was great. So exactly, I'd be a little worried. Exactly, it's like the guy that plays too much golf and is the I, football I, coach. That is a start. That is honestly that's starting to be a problem for me. Is and I don't know if it's considered a problem, but I'm honestly starting to play a good amount of golf on these recruiting trips, which is really nice. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you're from Hawaii, for crying out loud. Uh, you're allowed to play a little golf here and there. That's true. That's that right. is true. Uh, Next uh, time you have my boss on, maybe slide that one in there. At the end, okay? <laughs> He's been known to play a little golf as well. Uh, he's pretty good. He, he is, is pretty good. He's a good golfer. He's a great athlete, just like you are. Uh, Jalen, we'd love to have you back uh, this summer. When things get slow, we can call you and uh, talk a little volleyball. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys, for having me. You're the best. Thanks, Thanks Jalen. Bye-bye. Thanks, fellas. Have a good weekend. There he goes, uh, Jalen Reyes, a Nebraska assistant volleyball coach and one of the best recruiters in the entire country. Yeah. Sure. And and one of the most just fun and enjoyable yeah. guys to sit there and have a conversation oh, with. Uh, you can see why he's a great recruiter. He's pretty good at building relationships. He's certainly built one, uh, built many of them with uh, the ticket staff. We've had him on many, many times. He's going to, I think he's coming back this summer as well. So when it gets a sl little slow this summer, we'll have a uh, little jail well, time. I, th I thought it'd be a little slow right now. <laughs> and it's like, where are you at? Ah, I'm in a gym in Houston watching volleyball. <laughs> That's right. Going to find the next uh, the next All American. Well, you don't become the best recruiter in the country by accident. I mean, well, you got you got to work at it. I thought I thought his answer to the question of you know are you done recruiting for the twenty twenty five class and he's like no nah, I think we got two more blue chips. <laughs> and you're just like uh, that was pretty matter of fact. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. That's a little uh, confidence. You yeah. know, Merritt Beeson might be their best player this year though, and she's the transfer from Florida. I mean, I think they need. You know, they, they obviously need the one, number one recruiting classes. That helps you win national titles. But also, the Merritt Beesons that, you know, come in, fill a void, as he mentioned. You need that that mix because Nebraska is really young, but they're older at spots as well. So I think it I think it's going to be a good mix. Uh, to me, though, Nebraska volleyball is going to be as good as the setting. They, they need to figure out the setting position. Yeah. 
Uh, if they find uh, the right Ber- center. Ber- it was, if Bergen Riley was the number one setter last year and Kennedy Orr was yeah. the number one setter the year before. And, you know, at the end of the day, Lindsey Hunter was one of the best. She's yeah. the only setter in Nebraska volleyball history that uh, was able to win two national right. titles as literally the quarterback of the team. Um, it, one of those two is going to wind up. I think one of those two is going to wind up being an All-American. It well, just depends on which one is going to step up this year and be that. And the nice thing about both those girls is they're fairly tall, so they're pretty good blockers as well. Uh, I think when I heard Cook talk about it at last, he's he said they're really even. They're, they're really close right now. It, it'll be interesting to follow that and see who wins the setting position. And maybe it, it'll be a battle that goes into the season. You never know. Uh, let's get to break. Come back with our final segment. Talk a little Husker baseball. Yeah, because I do want to talk about all these commits that have been coming in uh, over the last week or so. It's it's really been a nice little run for Nebraska baseball. We'll talk about it. Mike Melby, Tom Stevens here. It's Husker Rewind. One more segment on the way. Welcome back to 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. This is Husker Rewind. My name is Mike Melby. That is Tom Stevens. Hello. And we are into our last segment. And then uh, after us follows, uh, let's see. Mm, something about finish. And oh, yeah, line. the finish line. That's There's right. a line. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a racing show that's on 93.7 The Ticket every Sunday at 7. Yeah. Uh, myself, Rebecca Pearson, take you through uh, all kinds of stuff. We talk motorsports period we don't really care uh what it is and as a matter of fact i think one thing we may talk about a little bit uh later in the year is even some rc car racing uh because some of the guys that are local racers actually have little rc cars and they go to a local establishment where they have a track and they race there and you have one right yeah i jumped into the fray last year it's kind of fun is it uh, hard is it is it hard to get really good at that oh the rc stuff yeah oh yeah i i suck it's that's it's not easy at all. Yeah, it's so tough to control. I have a little mini sprint car. The wheelbase on that thing is only like six inches, so it's really tough to steer. It reacts yeah. so quickly. Uh, tough to control. It's really easy to have spectacular crashes, though. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And then the best part is, is it doesn't cost you like thousands of dollars when you wreck your sprint car because you just flip the bad boy. Back Can people on go wheels. watch you guys? Oh, yeah. Where, where do you where do you, where yeah, do you risk? Yeah, down to Hobby Town. Oh, down we'll, in Hobby Town. Yeah, we'll have to talk to him about coming down on to and, Hobby Town. Sounds yeah. like a song. Yeah. And then today we've got uh, a let's see, 2014 Nebraska touring uh, 360 touring series uh, sprint car champion and 2019 Eagle Raceway 305 sprint car champion Tyler or Trevor Grossenbacher uh, will be on the show tonight. So should be fun. Uh, was it last week or the week before? But a couple of weeks ago, we announced that Rob Childress was joining the Husker coaching staff. I think it was two weeks. Ago. It was two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, it didn't take him long no. to have an effect on this recruiting no. class. Nebraska picks up a commit this week from Tyner Horn, who had decommitted from Wichita State. They've lost almost their entire recruiting class uh, after firing their coach. He's from Halstead, Kansas. He's a 2023 recruit. He had offers from Kansas State, uh, Kansas, Missouri, and Indiana with some interest from some SEC schools. He hits uh, 96 on the gun. Uh, and he said one of the reasons he chose Nebraska was Rob Childress. Apparently, Rob signed like 30 baseballs for his fourth grade or four-year-old. It's like a four-year-old. And his birthday party, he lived at that time. His family lived in College Station, Texas. Uh, and Rob, of course, was the head coach at Texas A&M. The family was close to Texas A&M baseball. He made a connection to a four-year-old. Never stop recruiting four-year-olds. 
That's the key to a good recruiting class. I think so. Uh, because it paid off for Nebraska baseball and getting tighter horn. And they believe he could be a Friday night guy. And when you look at his numbers, you understand why. He has no numbers. I mean, literally, he went 38 and a third innings, 65 strikeouts, and a 0.00 ERA. Only 12 hits allowed. I don't know how many guys in the country have a 0.00 ERA. Well, I do because I don't play. So Well, there you go. That's the key. Just don't play. Uh, <laughs> you could be really good. And you could be really good. He throws a 96-mile-an-hour fastball. He's also got a curve, a change, a slider, and a cutter. So he's got something to his arsenal. They also picked up uh, Brooks Niefel, uh, who's, uh, as a senior, has a 1.92 ERA, 83 strikeouts, 19 walks, from Wayne, Nebraska, 6'2", 220. Uh, they got a kid named... Tyler Stone in the 2024 class. He's a first baseman from Iowa Western uh, who hit 360 with 66 RBIs, 15 homers. And uh, a nice transfer from St. Mary. Uh, St. Mary's uh, is Division Two. His name is Clay Bradford. Hit 419, 14 hits, or 14 home runs, I should say, 54 RBIs. They've done some work. I wonder if it'll be one of those things – like they get to fall camp and they just have a cut again. Yeah, I think it might be that way every year. They, they had like 45 players. They had to trim the roster to what, 38? 38 or 39, yeah. Yeah, somewhere in there. And they did it. And I don't mind that. I mean, there's a lot of good baseball players because of COVID. There were so many JUCO players that got overlooked and high school players that got overlooked. And I think that's still happening a little bit because now everybody's hitting the portal hard and guys get overlooked and they have to go to JUCO and get rediscovered uh, because they were passed over as a high school kid. Yeah, I don't think it's a really good recipe for success to to oversign every year to where you got to cut guys. I think it becomes kind of disingenuous uh, to to recruit guys when you know you don't have room for them. Yeah. Last year was kind I, of a, diff, a different setup. If you tell with, them going the in, I don't have. Were, a, if you tell them, I, I get maybe that. going in, I don't necessarily have a big problem. Yeah, yeah, I, but st- still, I just I'm not a big fan of of purposely oversigning, you know, old right. school SEC days. Um, yeah. and, and then, oh, sorry, you know, you didn't make it. That's yeah, not what point. was done last year in any way, shape or form or stretch of the imagination. Uh, there was some, you know, they knew there were, there were going to be some guys that were moving on and, and all of that. And the nice thing is, is Will Bolton, the staff worked with every one of the players that did not uh, wind up playing for Nebraska this past year to find them a home uh, to, to play and then hopefully be able to come back and, and help the, the Huskers in the future uh, for some of them. But uh, and- it's been kind of interesting since the other thing, not only is it the Rob Childress effect, it's the Mike Sirianni effect because yes. Tyler Tyner Horn isn't at Nebraska. I don't feel, um, well, it's tough to say if it wasn't for Sirianni, because I know Sirianni was at Wichita state, but that, that connection when you're a four-year-old man and you get somebody that, that, that has that kind of an impact on you, there's a, yeah. a, a local race, uh, sprint car driver that had that effect on me when I was 10 years old. And, you know, followed his career throughout. So maybe it would have been with with Tyner Horn that he would have come here because of Rob Childress. But don't think Mike Sirianni is not going to be a huge addition to that staff. He is one of the best recruiters in college baseball. It seems like a nice mix. I remember um, the the coaching staff and uh, it was Lance Harvell, I think, told us a couple of times that maybe they didn't get the mix right a couple of years ago when they've really struggled. And maybe uh, they, they thought their maturity on this year's team was a lot better. You got 11 freshmen in this class, but also 10 transfers either juco or d1 transfers so hopefully you get a nice mix of young and old involved in that recruiting class one final thing on the show tonight 
that I, I wanted to hit on before we leave. And I think it's interesting that Ted Carter has taken over. He's taken charge basically over the athletic department as far as the oversight of big picture stuff, the planning of the athletic department. Um, they're, they're, they're talking about a $400 million renovation of Memorial Stadium. They're talking about, you know, paying coaches $11 million. You know, th- th- we're talking about big budget stuff. And Nebraska, let's face it, they paid more money in buyouts of coaches for football and basketball than any other school in college football over the last 20 years. Uh, they've made a lot of mistakes as far as the budget is concerned. And now we're heading into a Big Ten era where you still need to sign a, a TV contract. You're talking about annual revenues of $117 million. It's more than Carney's whole budget, Nebraska Carney's whole budget. It's a crazy big budget that you're dealing with. And I'm not sure that Trev Alberts has the time to deal with all that crap, especially in the day and age of NIL and the transfer portal. I think maybe it's a good idea with Ted Carter and his resume, especially, you know, dealing with the NCAA, being on the board of governors when he was at Navy. He has the background. He has the experience. The The backlash that I'm hearing is that Ted Carter is not going to be around here forever. Well, that's what I'm going to say. Um, I, I, I don't like the decision personally, but I've heard that. And I think a lot of it has to. But did you like all the decisions that Harvey Perlman made over the years when he as chancellor made a lot of bad decisions. No, I, I agree. You, you need people in positions to do their jobs correctly. And uh, you know, that it's Trev's job now uh, to, you know, fix what Bill Moose messed up, who was trying to yeah. fix what, what uh, Sean Eichhorst messed up, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And why don't you like the, why don't you like the decision? A lot of it is because Ted Carter is not going to be here for the next 50 years, you know, I, and, and, but and, neither is Trev. Well, I get it. But at the same time, um, and hopefully you hire somebody after that that makes good decisions. I mean, Nebraska football has been good when Bob Devaney was the athletic director, right? And and that's about it. And Bill Byrne. Bill Byrne and Bob Devaney have been the two great athletic directors of our lifetime. And most of the people listening right now don't remember them because but, they're not as old as we are. But the funny thing is, as an athletic director, uh, Bob Devaney had the athletic department like financially in not a good place. Well, no. And, and so, and so I get it. Bill Byrne did success on the field and on the court, but from a financial standpoint, Bill Byrne, the reason why Nebraska's athletic department is as uh, successful and doesn't take a penny from, from state tax dollars, yeah. et cetera. And they're self-sufficient is because of Bill Byrne and what he did. And people hated him. They called him dollar bill. Yeah. Guess what? Dollar bill made you be able to easily navigate uh, COVID. Yeah. So, uh, do you have any get off my lawns this week? Are you angry about anything? Yeah, my lower back. I don't know what the hell I did to piss it off, yeah. but man, it attacked me on Wednesday. I was not thrilled with that. So, well, well, your back can get off your lawn. Exactly. Get off my lawn. I don't have any. I, I, I'm feeling good. I went to, I just got back from Orlando. I feel like $100. Uh, I don't know if we'll do a show next week, Mike, or not. Yeah, we'll figure it out here in a couple we'll of minutes. We'll figure it out in a couple we of do, minutes. We'll tweet about it. So make yeah. sure you follow both of us on Twitter. That's and- right. Um, but we had a fun show today. Thanks to Jalen Reyes and Brian Munson. And you're not leaving. You're staying. Yep. The yep. finish line is coming up next. Absolutely. Uh, I'll see you maybe next week or maybe yeah, not. Know. All, All right. right. Bye-bye. See ya. <laughs>